And in that moment, I realized everything that I thought was true came from my dad, came from my mom's, came from the church. There was not a single fucking thing that I could say, I gained this myself. And brother, that scared the living hell out of me. And the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? You are listening to Radical Empathy. I'm your host, John Regalado, and uh, today we're just going to get right into it. It is March 28th, 2020, and the world is upside down right now. There's probably a good chance that you are stuck at home right now, like me. Um, So this podcast hopefully will give you something to think about and distract you from your isolation. A lot of you had great thoughts to share about our last episode. We will share those another time, but today I'm just kind of feeling a little somber um, and I just want to keep it simple and focus on my featured interview, which is with Calvin. Uh, Calvin grew up in a Mormon fundamentalist community. His family practiced polygamy. He had four moms, 44 siblings, and one dad. Um, So today we're just going to focus on his story, but more importantly, we're going to focus on this idea of living inside of a cave As we have this time where all of us are sort of in our own caves, in isolation, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for us to really reflect and kind of look inside ourselves and see if there are things about ourselves that can be challenged to kind of reframe our reality uh, in small ways, but probably also in big ways. And I think it's safe to say that the world will probably never be the same after this. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, without further ado, let's just jump into today's episode. We're doing it, man. Are we on right now? Yes, we're recording. You want to keep the microphone kind of close to your mouth. That's but what if my beard, you know, kind of scratches? Oh, yeah, <laughs> you do have a beard. I guess I want to introduce you as somebody who was born into a cult-like environment. You lived there for... 30 years. 30 years. And now you have left yes. the cave, so to speak. So why don't you introduce yourself and say kind of why you are here? Sure. Uh, I'm Calvin Wayman. Well, in the context of what you just said, I actually grew up what's known as, uh, as a Mormon fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as regular Mormons. There's like 18 million members of those. In my church, there was like 1,500. Something that's unique about your life is the size of your family. <laughs> Describe how big your family is. I have one dad, but I don't just have one mom. I have four moms. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously my birth mom, the one that birthed me. But then there's the other three moms. So polygamy in my family has been being lived for over a century, you Mm -hmm. know, since the late 1800s. And so I am one of 44 children. So I think it's 19 girls and 25 boys. Wow. So among those 44 siblings, where do you land? I'm one of the older kids. So Do you know your number? Yes, I'm the 11th. What is it like to live in a family that big? The, The truest answer is normal. It felt normal. We grew up in Salt Lake City or a suburb of Salt Lake City, Utah. We were raised on a small farm. How many houses were on Such this? a great question. One. 
So it was a giant house. <laughs> you, you lived in a mansion farm? It's actually not as big as you would think. When some of the older kids were hitting in their 20s or whatever, there were still children being born. Mm-hmm. So we didn't all live there at once. Still, I mean, at one time, there's still probably like 30 people. Wow. So each mother had her own room. Yes. And then how was your dad's time divided? He had his own room. And they took turns coming in and sleeping with him. Mm-hmm. Like some do it the opposite where so he goes into go their to room. his room. Correct. It's all kind of structured around him. Yeah, totally. It's very patriarchal. What was your relationship like with your sisters? There was two roles. There was the best friend part, but then they also did a lot of motherly tasks. It was very common for the sisters to do the meals, you know, because that's a lot of people to feed. There was that, and then you also, they were part of the shenanigans sometimes. We would do fun things like, okay, you distract the parents, and you're going to be assigned to run as fast as you can to Wendy's and get all of us a junior bacon cheeseburger. And you're going to go through these neighbors' properties so none of the parents can see you on the street. We stayed in our property for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like, our dad didn't want us to, like, walk the streets even or ride our bikes out on the street. And where did you go to school? Wayman Elementary, Wayman Middle School, and is, Wayman High School. Which is your family. Which so is my family. I was homeschooled. My birth mom was the teacher of all the kids. What was your relationship with your parents like? My dad was my hero. Mm-hmm. I loved doing stuff with him, and probably also because you're, you, you don't have the attention as much, probably. Mm-hmm. I had a really good relationship with my dad growing up. He had a construction company, and so would often go on jobs with him or help if we needed to go get gather hay, go with him to get hay and all that. And then I have really fond memories of when I'm like five, six, seven, eight years old, sneaking out of bed when all of my other brothers are asleep and just going in the living room and sitting on my dad's lap or eating ice cream with him. As far as my moms, there was different points where I had strained relationships with some of them. For example, you can imagine in a situation like this, there's some jealousy. Mm-hmm. Humans are humans and there's like the there's like back and forth. And there were times where my birth mom and another mom would feud once in a while. And whenever that happened, I definitely noticed the other mom treating me worse mm. than her own kids. Growing up, I had a closer relationship, obviously, with my birth mom. Mm -hmm. But just like I think a lot of teenagers can sometimes have a rift with their parents, I certainly had that with my dad and my birth mom. And so I actually got closer to one of my other moms. I enjoyed having conversations with her. And so in my teenage years, I got closer to her that Mm. way. Why did your parents choose to live that way? This isn't just, oh, we want to live polygamy. It is very ingrained as we believe this is the proper way to live if we want to get to the highest degree of heaven.
if you read the Revelation as written from Joseph Smith, polygamy sounds like a really big deal. And this is one of those things that you cannot choose to disobey it, otherwise you will be damned. If you live it, though, then you can achieve the highest glory of heaven. And did you buy into that oh, when, yeah. when you were young? Oh, yeah. What was your opinion of the outside world? Can you kind of describe what your belief was towards people who did not live the way that your family lived? Ignorance, general ignorance. Mm-hmm. Everybody that wasn't in our fold were considered Gentiles, is what we call them. And what would happen to Gentiles? If they were really good, then after this life, they would be given the opportunity to hear the gospel. And if they accepted it, then they would not be damned. And what did the concept of hell feel like to you when you were young? Very real. Hell was quite a motivator. What is the idea of heaven like? Oh, completely indescribable. First of all, there's multiple degrees of heaven. Okay. So there's three main heavens, the telestial, the terrestrial, and the celestial. The celestial kingdom is the only kingdom that God lives. So the only way to actually get to hang out with God Mm -hmm. and to become a God, by the way, like to actually get to be a God yourself and have your own universe and create your own planets is to make it to the celestial kingdom. But there's this concept of growing to the knowledge that you've been given. And in our church, we've been blessed the most of any other group of people on the planet. Mm -hmm. So we've been given the most knowledge. Now that's a double-edged sword because that gives you the possibility to go to the celestial kingdom. But if you turn away from it, then you have an equal punishment. So a saying that we had often growing up was, it's the kingdom of God or nothing. If you're either going to make it to the celestial or you're going to hell. Whoa, high stakes. High stakes, huge stakes. It's kind of an apocalyptic view of the world, would you say? Yeah, I mean, there was actually times where we literally thought the world was going to end. Yeah, what did you guys think when 9-11 happened? even before that, I think, is worth saying, is 2000. The end of days were definitely going to come. We called them the destructions. Mm -hmm. The destructions are coming, the destructions are coming. It's so interesting, because when you first describe the way you grew up, you lived in a a giant family. You guys would play games together. You would farm, live off the land. I think that's something a lot of people in our generation fantasize about, sort of simplicity. Yeah. Then you describe these beliefs. Did you feel more comforted or more afraid growing up? In the moment, it doesn't feel like fear. What did it feel like? Holy shit, I'm so lucky that I know this. Mm. I'm so lucky. It must have given you, uh, your life and existence, a great sense of purpose. Oh, yeah, totally. Did you have questions of like, why am I here? Why was I born? Yeah, but that got answered super early. Yeah. I know exactly why I was, like I knew growing up exactly why I was born. If I did everything right, then I got to be a god. Sounds fucking awesome. You're telling me.
I didn't know exactly why we couldn't tell the neighbors how many moms we had. But I remember one time my dad was getting pissed at me and one of my younger brothers for talking to the neighbors because he didn't want us to tell the neighbor kids how many moms we had. The neighbor kid asked, how many moms do you have? And Johnny, my brother, said three, which was the truth at the time. We didn't have four yet. I said, no, oh, we don't have three. We only have two. And I remember thinking that I did something good because I said less yeah. than he did. But two was still polygamy. You know, and that was the thing we were trying to hide against. Was there anything that happened in your family or were there things that happened or that you witnessed that maybe started to cause some uh, some turbulence in your confidence? Oh, yeah. A few times. Mm -hmm. I already mentioned that my dad was my hero. Mm -hmm. And he was like I was his little buddy. He called me his little buddy. There was one day it was after one of my little brothers was born. It was a Sunday morning. I went into my dad's room because I was hanging out with my mom who had just given birth a few months, maybe a month or two before. And my dad walked in and holding my little baby brother. And then he handed me my little brother. And I just remember thinking, this is, this is a perfect moment right now. Like mm -hmm. I remember thinking, I'm holding my little brother. There's my mom and my dad talking. Then they started talking louder. Then he started yelling. And then I watched my dad beat my mom hmm. in front of me. I was four or five. It scared the shit out of me. I was confused on that for a really long time. Because here's someone that was my hero that held God's authority why was he doing this it didn't make any sense and so my dad was like too violent in these families it's the dad that's the anchor if he goes away everyone goes away so even the thought of ever turning him in or whatever it's not just breaking up him it's it's putting the family at risk mm -hmm. especially financially and all that sort of stuff but i remember a time where our whole family is sitting there because he's mad and raging and then he just beat the shit out of one of my younger sisters in front of everyone and, and what did what is do the people do in your family while this Freeze. is happening we all fucking froze and I'm not four at this time. I'm like 18 or 19. Mm. I'm not a little kid. I could jump up at this age and say, this isn't right. Mm. Stop. But we don't. I finished my high school stuff, which was all at home, uh, when I was just before my 17th birthday, so I was still 16. Mm -hmm. And then I went and worked in my dad's construction company for a few years. And I learned very quickly, I think I always knew it, but I did not want to be in construction. So college came up. Mm -hmm. And I had several conversations with my dad, and he said, go talk to your grandfather. 
after those conversations, they essentially agreed, yeah, it's probably a good idea if we have someone that has a business degree, not just those construction. So I went into college for business. What did you learn at college that started to rock the boat? <laughs> one of the requirements was to take a philosophy class. Mm-hmm. On day one, Professor Jane Drexler, uh, shout out to you, Jane, if you ever listen to this, because you're the reason I'm here. <laughs> she had the whole semester themed on The Matrix. Have you watched The Matrix? Oh, yeah. Ian, our creative director, that's like his favorite movie. Oh, dude, it's so, it's so cool. So she starts off on day one saying that The Matrix is actually a very old idea you think it's a new movie, but it's actually thousands of years old based on the philosopher Plato Mm -hmm. and Plato's allegory of the cave. She was like, here's the story of people that are chained inside of a cave to chairs. Are these people sad? My first reaction was, yeah, I wouldn't want to be a prisoner inside of a cave. And she's like, of course they're not sad. Why would they be? That's all they ever known. That's all they know. Mm-hmm. And they're with each other. They're happy. And every day these shadows come and appear on the wall. And that is when they're the most elated because they get to debate what the shadows represent and what they mean. And it's like a show on the wall. But then how the story goes, one of the people Mm -hmm. breaks loose. So he does turn around and for the first time sees this flame. And I think a human, somebody else that's holding up the shapes in front of the flame. Some sort of architect. Yeah. That is casting the shadows. So everything that he thought was real was literally a projection of some other thing. So if he was seeing the shape of a tree, the shadow of a tree, he's seeing it's actually being just created by this tree shape. Mm -hmm. But then he left the cave. And that is where his mind freaking explodes. Because if he thought a shadow was awesome and then the shape was a big deal, then he sees a real tree, you know? It shook his whole reality Mm -hmm. and scared the hell out of him. If you can imagine, everything that he thought he knew just got shattered in an instant. Everything that he held on to that he valued, Mm -hmm. things that he created stories around, the shadows, was wrong. But once he settled into it, he realized this is fucking awesome. And I think that those are the exact words I think Plato used. This is fucking awesome. And (laughs) and after he realized how amazing it was and started to explore the world, what did he think he wanted to do with that awesomeness? Share it with the people in the cave. Well, she asked us when he went back, what do you think they wanted to do to him? And in my brain, I'm thinking, well, they're going to celebrate him because he learned about all this knowledge that's different than what they know. She's like, actually, they wanted to kill him and kill him they did. So that's the story my professor told us. And she's like, that's a crazy story. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's an awesome story. But then she asked some questions that really fucked with me 
that day and for then on. And she asked, Okay, class, now ask yourself, who are you in the story? How do you know that you think you are studying truth? And how do you know you're just not inside of a cave? Why are you smiling? It's so amazing. It's yeah. just amazing. <laughs> it's, this is a story that was written thousands of years thousands ago. of years ago, and we're just we're sitting on a couch next to LAX talking about it. It's yeah, hilarious. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just so amused by the uh, <laughs> the shelf life of this idea. So was it like overnight? You were like, okay, well, no. What that? How? What happened after that? That moment began a deep, long period of loneliness and isolation. I definitely wasn't going to tell anybody in college that I grew up in polygamy because they wouldn't understand. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't even go talk to any of my siblings and not even my more liberal mom about this story I just told. Mm -hmm. How old were you at that time? 20. All throughout this period, I'm still finishing college because I'm like, I got to do it because that moment happened right at the very beginning of college. But Throughout this all this, bouncing around in the back of your head, bouncing in the back of my head and in the front of my head, because I'm I'm now studying everything I can on religion, and I'm doing that all the way up to graduation, which then leads to marriage. So one day, the church leader just comes to me after church and says, "See me after church," and I went and saw him after, and he said, "Are you ready to get married?" And I said, "Yes," and he's like, "Awesome, mm-hmm. we have someone for you," and here she is. Go talk to her dad. What's it like to enter an arranged marriage? Well, <laughs> well, you're excited because you finally get to have sex for sure. But you also just feel like you're moving on. Like marriage is such a big part of the faith. You're going to start your kingdom. You're going to have your family. Mm-hmm. Did you have doubts, you know? Like no. It was... No, it felt really good. After talking to her dad, we connected and we were with each other essentially every day for two weeks and then got married. Well, when did you guys decide to have kids? I know that you have She two wanted kids. to have kids immediately. Um, and did you? Pretty much. So, yeah, had a baby boy just a little over a year of being married. What's it like bringing another human into this world and then in the background not knowing what you think of this world? It was really terrifying. I remember... Was your faith getting stronger or weaker as you were getting closer to having your first child? Stronger. I was was actually going deeper into the faith around this time. Mm Mm-hmm. So we still did what we called Sunday school where we would like read little Book of Mormon or Bible stories. But my mindset throughout those early days with our son were he should be able to choose at some point. We don't want to, I don't want to force him into any of the church stuff. Mm. The way your dad kept control over your family through force. Yeah. Did you see or notice or intentionally implement any of his methods of 
parenting with your family? I think because of what I experienced, mm-hmm. it's probably a very big reason that I did the exact opposite. Where things really changed was when I left the orbit. So five years ago in 2015, I quit my day job because I always wanted to work for myself. I hated the idea of being an employee. So I quit cold turkey, even with my wife and our one-year-old. And I decided that I was going to go do door-to-door in Southern California. And so we moved. It's hard to explain, but it felt like I was now in a different world. I went to a couple different churches. I started to have a lot of Christian friends and atheist friends, and it felt good. And it really just got to the point where I was like, what do I actually believe? You mentioned um, a voicemail or a voice memo that you recorded. Oh, yeah. Off air. Yeah. Do you have that with you? I think so. September 27th. I titled it, I'm Leaving the Work. Uh, You know what's crazy is that's my birthday. What? That's interesting. Can you play it into the mic? Sure. This is Calvin Lehman, and today is September 27th, 2017. This is just a personal voice note. I want to capture the moment in time. Why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. Just kind of get a sense of everything that's that's going on in my mind and in my world right now. As I record this, I'm here in my apartment by myself, just sitting here on the sofa. Becca and the kids are at Rachel's, and my energy is just kind of in a in a funk. All of this is just context for one of the biggest questions that has been on my mind is whether or not I'm going to stay with the community, with the family, with the religion that I've been a part of for the last 29 plus years, my entire life. And the thing that I think I'm concluding to, the thing that I haven't ever recorded on any way that I think I'm gonna say it here to myself is, I don't think I am going to stay. I don't think I'm going to stay in the work. created a lot of conflict within me because it's where the priesthood is after all God's mouthpiece on earth but as I've traveled as I've been in planes and looking down and just seeing imagining like square miles and seeing all these people that live in the world and thinking that that God has one special people us doesn't make sense to me doesn't seem right out of all of the other people out in the world that are 
looking for truth. First of all, do I think that I'm way smarter than them? Not a chance. In the very least, we're all equal. When I think of a God who made all of us in his own image, it just, that doesn't make sense to me. so many things around this that don't add up. It was interesting to watch you listening to yourself. I kind of noticed that you got emotional. What What yeah. was it like hearing that? First of all, I know that version of myself and I know how fucking hard it was to say that to say I don't believe in this mm -hmm. I think I'm leaving this <sighs> mm. so it was just two years ago yeah what's happened in the last two years it hasn't been the easiest to be frank throughout a lot of this like like that choice put a lot of things into question. What do I actually want? What do I actually believe in? Do I really believe that the church leaders and things like that know exactly who my life partner and eternity partner is and stuff like that? Do I really believe that even though Becca is amazing as a human being, do I really think that we were the only two people that should ever get together? And a big thing that it rocked was that relationship. Mm -hmm. getting to the point where Becca and I decided this year that it's best if we both separate. And so that's been really... Why did you two come to that conclusion? We don't have the same values. Where are your kids in all of this? With her. Mm -hmm. Like physically? Yeah. Yeah, they, they live there. Do you have a preference of how you want your kids to be raised? Now that you are untethered from this lifestyle? There are some benefits of having, being in a village of people, like they're surrounded by family members that love them, and so that's good. Ultimately, obviously, I don't want them to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, what Beck and I have chosen that's best for them is for her to raise them, like for them to live with her, because she's a fucking awesome mom. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm there, so we, that's how we've been raising them for the most part. We're still doing the co-parenting thing, living in the same place with them. Where is your relationship with God now in all this? Do you believe in God? Did you throw everything out or? It's know? hard for me to throw God completely out. What's your North Star now that oh, it man. used to be, you know, basically to become a God. Right. To enter the celestial kingdom. Right. What now? What is your North Star? The North Star I have now is literally just creating the best life possible. When you look back on your life and you look back on where you came from and the family that you were raised in or the community that you were raised in, do you see it as a cult? No. What do you see it as? Kind of, I don't even know if, my, if those are my thoughts. What I usually go to is like, did this help me or did it hurt me? If I look at it the right way, it can be the 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 thing that actually is the launching pad and in many ways it has i mean even things i learned with working hard and planting a garden and learning patience that it requires this and cultivation and sticking with it and then you get the result 
Do you resent your father for what he, you know, did and how he raised you? No. There's definitely some things that that needs to be worked out at the very bare minimum. There are some very, very real conversations that need to be had with my dad. But I was so in it enough and have perspective now being out of it that I totally fucking get like some of the mental shackles that he must have gone through, that he must have. And I understand humans enough that if he has that much rage, what must be going on in his body or shit that must have happened to him that never got talked about. I feel bad for him more than I resent him. Does your life have less meaning now that you're not aiming for the celestial kingdom? I don't think it's ever had more meaning. Are you afraid of death now? No. I'm not worried of death. What I am worried about, like if I have a deep-seated fear, I'm not afraid of death, but I am so deathly afraid of not living. Fully. Like, just full out. So you've left the cave and, and now you just want to run everywhere. Yeah. You know, you were married and you had kids when you kind of came to this moment of realization. Uh-huh. Do you feel like maybe you are leaving the cave but leaving your kids behind? <sighs> I fucking hope not. If I ever felt like that they were in an unsafe place, mm-hmm. then I would do something. I, I genuinely feel that they, they're surrounded by people that love them. There's something, I think there's something cool about when you're young, especially being in a sheltered place, people that coddle you. At some point, you got to go out and explore. Let's say one of your kids listens to this. Yeah. Years down the road, or somebody in your community listens to this at some point in their life where they are at that moment that you were at. Mm -hmm. What would you want them to know? That moment of doubt. Mm hmm when you're trying to find out if you're in something because you believe it or just because it's what you've always done, see if you can imagine yourself on neutral ground. You're out of it and you have numerous options, numerous on neutral ground. Would you choose it then? And follow that, whatever that for it for you is. And if some people get joy out of, Mormon fundamentalism, the work, Mormonism, Catholicism, Islam, fantastic. I like I have friends now of all different faiths and I want people to be able to pursue that. And so I wouldn't want to walk on anybody's choices of what they pick, but I'd want them to have the freedom to actually pick. All right, man. <laughs> Dude, we went deep. Holy crap. Calvin, thank you so much for sharing your whole life story. You are welcome. Holy, yeah. holy moly. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for showing us, you know, all the cracks and crevices of your life. Yeah. Um, I wish you the best, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the Radical Empathy Podcast.
All right, and that does it for today's episode. One more big thanks to Calvin for sharing his story. We also filmed a video that you should check out. Go to Jubilee's YouTube channel, and you can see Calvin as well as other people who grew up in cult-like environments or who experienced cult-like experiences um, in an episode of Spectrum that's on our channel now. A huge shout out to Jeff Bloom, who helped me edit this episode. If you want to hear more episodes of Radical Empathy, be sure to rate our uh, podcast and leave us a review and uh, subscribe. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Stay safe out there. Practice social distancing. Don't touch your face. Wash your hands. Doctors, nurses, medical professionals, thank you. I think that's it. We'll see you next time. Over and out.